We find ourselves in the last of our series on the cross. We're in part 10. I've never preached a 10-part series, but there's more, and I'm going to need to park that for the time being, and we're going to bring that at Easter time next year. Um, So we're in the final part of the cross series, and what I wanted to do with the message today was I wanted to kind of work back from the times when we see crosses in our culture and use that as an excuse for a message about the cross in its original form. We see the cross a lot in our culture. We see it around us a lot more than, you, than, than we realize. It's there and it keeps popping up and it keeps appearing in different forms and in different ways. And I found myself thinking that would be a great excuse to bring a message about what the cross really means. And so as I kind of wrap up to the series, um, th- my message today is called Glimpses because uh, when you glimpse a cross, my heart would be, or when you, when you see a cross momentarily in our culture somewhere, my heart would be that you'd think, oh yeah, I remember that message that Pastor Nick gave that day in November 2022, and, and that he preached on that, and that it would be a reminder to you of a central truth uh, about the cross. Uh, so what's going to happen is I'm going to take you through a series of, of pictures and explanations and stories, each of which is a cross, but which points to the true cross of Jesus. The first one, let's just start straight away. The first one um, is, is that a cross shows that something is wrong. Uh, how many of us here have had subjects at school that you have really struggled with and uh, you've had a piece of homework back from your teacher and your teacher has put a whole load of red crosses over it and you've got it back and your heart has sunk because you know you have not done well. Um, I found this picture on one of those sites that gives free pictures away, and I think it's from some French homework from some lass in 1962 or something, and uh, I didn't show the whole lot. The whole piece of paper is filled with crosses. I've got to say, I think that this, uh, this teacher's pretty heavy on the crosses and a bit light on the ticks, isn't she? Uh, I, I, would, I would be disappointed if that were my teacher. I'd be thinking, oh, you're not so keen on the, on the bits I've got right, but you're massively making a point about the bits I've gone wrong, and you've written bad in capital letters on my homework. That would be pretty discouraging, wouldn't it? And yet, that is our tradition. That's our culture. Our culture would say when we get something wrong at school, the teacher needs to show us that it's wrong. The teacher needs to put a cross against something that's not right. Um, I went for a job as a programmer at one time in my company. I I worked for a company called Electronic Data Systems, uh, EDS for short, and uh, they were like a parallel competitor to IBM back in the day. I mean, we're going back quite a long way. Um, And uh, I I went into customer services at the beginning, but as I progressed in the company, I had an opportunity to take an aptitude test for programming, and it was at our head office. Uh, And the, the way the company worked was if you were good at programming, they would send you to America for 13 weeks and they would train you at their head office in Dallas and it was very intensive you'd work sort of 10 12 hour days getting through all these programming projects and then at the end of it you'd have a qualification and your salary would jump up a whole lot the training was so good uh, that some companies would wait until you'd been on that training and pay off the retainer that you owed EDS at the end in order to get you because you were so good so this training was second to none um, but before they sent you on it very wisely they asked you to take an aptitude test and it was a test 
test out of 30 uh, to see if you were any good at programming. And I, and I, I took this test, and I, I'm sorry to say I got three out of 30. <laughs> and, and this piece of paper came back, and it had all the, it was like a printout. And it had the, in the first five, I got a few of them right, you know, uh, the, the three in the first five. And then the rest, all these crosses came up as in the boxes next to the answers. And I got back to the office the next day, and then my colleague said, well, how did your aptitude test go? And I said, it was awful. I was, I'm not meant to be a programmer. And then one guy in a cubicle next to mine, this was back in the days of cubicles, he said to me, you, you did remember BODMAS, right? And I said, BODMAS, what's that? And he said, oh, it's the sequence in which you do mathematical operators, isn't it? You do your brackets of division, multiplication, addition, subtraction. And I went, a light went on, and I went, oh, yeah, I, I, I suddenly remember that now. Are you supposed to have applied that? And he went, yeah, you are. You're supposed to know that. So I said, why? That's not an aptitude test then, is it? You've got to have some knowledge. But they, and then he said, yeah, but most people remember these basic things, Nick. You have to remember that. Uh, and so I did actually take the test again, bearing in mind that knowledge, and I got 28 out of 30. So it wasn't so bad. But I think I'd been burned by the whole experience. And I went, no, <laughs> programming is not for me. Excuse me. <clears throat> I decided that programming wasn't the life for me uh, as a result of that experience. But the teacher had to, has to show us if we get stuff wrong. Uh, our companies need to guide us, and, and in our training, they need to correct things that aren't right. And what I want to say to us is that the cross of Jesus is God's way of making it very, very plain that people continually get stuff wrong. It, it's, it's there. In Romans 3.23, it says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so whenever you see a cross on some homework which indicates that something's wrong, uh, perhaps in your kids or you know, perhaps if you remember back, you will know that it's an indicator of wrongfulness. And in the same way, the cross of Jesus is a reminder to us of our sinful nature, that we get stuff wrong. Uh, you might want to follow along in this in your YouVersion Bible app. Uh, it's an event. Uh, if you go into the YouVersion app, go to events, you'll see that Birmingham City Church is live. And each of the points is there, and all of the verse references are there as well. And you can, you're very welcome to make your own notes as we go through. So first, a cross shows us that something is wrong. Secondly, a cross shows that a new direction is possible. A cross shows that a new direction is possible. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the sport of orienteering. Uh, orienteering is where you are kind of uh, put into a, a large tract of country and you are given a very detailed map and you have 10 or 15 points around that landscape and your job is to go and find all those points using your great map reading skills that you've all got, right? And uh, you would follow the, follow the map directions around these points and as you arrive at the points, hidden away under a boulder or up a tree or next to a shrub, there would be a, like a little reflective thing that would show that you'd found the right point. And then there would be like a little stapler thing with a special shape in sort of uh, like kind of pin, sh there would be like a, like a C shape or an X shape or a Y shape with, with pin marks. And you'd, you'd staple your card. And you'd go around the course and you'd try and find all the different points and staple each one with each unique code. And you'd get back and the official would look through your card and would say, ah, yeah, Nick, you've got through every single one. And I, I know you've been to all those points because the pinpricks match up. The shape of the pinpricks matches up with our record of what was out there on the course. Well done, you've got all 15. Uh, now, my, I, would, I did this in the Scouts a few times, and I had a friend called Richard, Richard Harris, and he and I used to trog around together. Uh, I mean, sometimes these courses were... Uh, 
also joined by professional orienteers who would run all the way round. You know, I would be like shambling round, but he, they would run and they'd sprint round and they'd be, they'd be home half an hour before us. Um, but my friend and I, Richard, we'd get round and one time we couldn't find a particular point. Uh, and uh, Richard very enterprisingly had a pin with him. And we tried to guess what the character would be and we tried to make it look as if it was, you know, professionally put together. So he did a, like a, I think it was a letter T in there or a letter C or something like that. And we got back and the, the official just went, no, nice try, but that's not right. You've made that one up. So uh, we had a go. But orienteering is about reading a map and making sure that you can find where you are. And, and I, re- I remember one particular time we, was, we were just sort of set down by our scoutmaster. We were told to go and run around this course. And he said, if you get onto Tarmac Road, you're lost. You've gone too far. The, the, the boundary marks are that you mustn't get onto Tarmac. You must stay in the open country. And if you get onto Tarmac, you're in trouble. You need to get back into the open country again. And sure enough, uh, Richard and myself found ourselves on a, a little country lane that was tarmac And we saw a sign very similar to this. And we walked up and we found a crossroads and then we took a left. And then we went back into the open country and we managed to find the orienteering course again. A cross symbol on a road sign is a visual representation that there is a chance to go in a different direction. And what I want to say to us is that the cross of Jesus says just the same thing to us in the spiritual. It represents an opportunity to go in a different direction to the one that we had been traveling in so far in life. Um, In the book of Acts, a whole lot of people are listening to Peter uh, give a sermon, and they hear about the cross of Jesus, and they're cut up about what they hear. And they say, what do we do in response to this news about what's happened to Jesus? And uh, in Acts, Peter replies this. He says in Acts 2.38, Peter replies to them, and he says, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That word repent comes from a Greek word, metanoio, uh, and it means to change your mind, to think differently after a particular occasion. Uh, so, for instance, if this, perhaps if this uh, you know, lectern here or this table here repre- represents an event, um, you might have been traveling in your life thinking a certain way up to this event, and then this event changes you, and you, after this time, you are now a changed person. That is a definition of repentance right there. You've changed your mind as a result of what you've seen or what you've encountered. And so Peter's in this great opportunity to uh, preach a message, to invite people to change their minds about who they thought Jesus was. I'm always fascinated by the fact that in Acts there are 3,000 plus people listening uh, and Peter gives a sermon and he factually recounts what's happened and not one person in that large crowd refutes him and says, well, no, it didn't happen. You're not right there, Peter. And that tells a lot, you know, because when people aren't supportive of something, they'll be vocal about it. They'll come out and they'll tell you why you're wrong. But nobody did that. They all knew. They'd all seen. They'd all been part of it. And Peter crystallizes the events into their meaningfulness. And then he says, this is what you need to do about it. It's to repent and be baptized. Change your mind about Jesus and go through the, uh, the, the waters of baptism. A cross shows from God that a new direction is possible in life. The cross of Jesus is a spiritual diagram showing a change of trajectory in your destiny. That's what the cross is there to show us. Number three, a cross shows that help is at hand. Hands up here if you've ever needed a bit of first aid. 
Most of us in the room have probably had to have a bit of first aid, like a cut finger or a grazed knee. Or uh, I remember a horrible occasion when uh, our, one of our sons, George, fell over in primary school, and, and we, were, we were called, and could we calm? Well, it was Chloe, actually. Could she, could she calm? And, uh, and Chloe said, well, I'll be there in about 20 minutes. And, you know, uh, and then they said, oh, okay, we'll call an ambulance then. It was like, what? And then, you know, rushed in there really quickly. He'd fallen over and bumped the top of his eye on a chair, and it was, it was pretty grisly, to be honest, and he had to have stitches and what have you. The first aid box in that primary school came into its own that day. Uh, you know, first aid is very, very important. It's a place where you can go and get some help um, when you've got an emergency. And they very often have that white cross on with a green background, don't they? We've got some here in BCC. I'm sure you've got one at home in your cupboard. And I'm sure you've got them in your workplaces. I hope you have. Some cars even have them in. Um, a long time ago, October 2000, Chloe and I went on a, a trek to China to see the Great Wall of China. It was one of these fundraising treks. Uh, we raised some money for the cancer research campaign, as it was known then. And um, we'd raised our money, we'd paid for our flights, and we joined about 30 other people on this uh, flight to Beijing. Uh, we arrived in Beijing, and they took us to uh, the hotel. And then over the next 10 days or so, we had the opportunity to walk along sections of the Great Wall of China. And it was an awesome holiday, once-in-a-lifetime experience. I mean, it was just incredible to, uh, to go and see uh, the Great Wall. Uh, just as an aside, on the very first day, we were climbing up to the top of the Great Wall, and somebody had a radio on. One of the Chinese guides had a radio on, and it was Careless Whisper by George Michael. I was like, I've come all the way around the world, and then there's George Michael playing on the radio. I mean, it's just one of those really weird things. Um, but on about day four, day five, um, one of the sections of the wall that they took us to was really high up in the mountains. And the way the Chinese had designed the wall was they didn't kind of knock through the mountains and make it like a motorway to make it easy for the builders they just went up and down over everything and they made it really steep in some of the sections and this particular section we were going to walk on was a real challenge and we were climbing up the hill and we were going through the mountains and one of the ladies in our group she slipped on a rock and she bashed her shin and she kind of cut it open it was quite yeah it was it was a bad accident and uh, so somebody brought the first aid out, and then she, I mean, she was kind of quite happy. She was a single lady, but I kind of think she was maybe on the trek to meet someone, if I can just be really frank. And uh, so she ended up being carried down the mountain by three quite hefty Chinese chaps. And, and although her leg was hurting a lot, she was kind of grinning from ear to ear. Anyway, that's another story. <laughs> They gave her first aid. They took her to a Chinese hospital. She kind of got mended, but she couldn't do any more trekking because it was quite a bad... It wasn't a break, but it was a really bad sort of bruise and swelling and so on. She needed help to get down that mountain. She needed somebody to come and rescue, rescue her. The cross is God's message to us that help is available. Help is available to us. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to us who are being saved. The cross of Jesus is power and help for your life. It reconnects us to God. It makes us right before God. It gives us a brand new start by taking away our sins. It is the doorway to eternal life. It gives us power over death, and it represents a victory over the enemy. It is help to us. Uh, the cross of Jesus is our power and our help for new life in God. Whenever you see that white cross on a green background, the symbol for first aid, remember that Jesus was first aid to us on the cross from God. Number four, a cross marks the spot where the treasure can be found. 
I don't know about you, but I'm one of these people that loves the idea of perhaps going to a stately home. You know, you're going on a guided tour around the building and, and perhaps, you know, myself and Chloe would just sort of slink off a little bit and we'd try a secret doorway in the library and it would go down some steps and there'd be another library below the, the, the main library and there'd be some special drawer there and we'd pull it open and there'd be an old treasure map with an X on it saying, this is where the treasure's to be found. And then we'd go into the gardens and we'd work out where the X was and we'd dig up with a, we'd nick a, you know, like a, a, a spade from the, from the garden house and from the gardener and we'd, we'd go and dig under the particular oak tree or beech tree where the X was and we'd find, you know, there'd be resistance under the ground and we'd, we'd open it up and there'd be, a, there'd be a treasure chest in there. And we'd prize it open and there'd be like gold goblets and there'd be rubies and there'd be pieces of eight and there'd be necklaces of pearls and stuff. And I'd be like, yes, I have found the treasure. Is that just me? Yeah, that's just me. Okay, but I like the idea of a treasure map with an X marks the spot. I've always found that so, so appealing in films or stories that there's some kind of thing that you can go and find and somebody's left a trail of clues for you to get there. Well, uh, let me tell you the true story of a man called Terry Herbert, who on the 5th of July 2009 was out with his uh, metal detector in some fields um, in Staffordshire, uh, near a, a, kind of a, a little village in Staffordshire, and he, and he heard a bleeping in his headphones from the, from the metal detector. And he reached down into the soil and he picked some, something out of the soil and brushed it off and it had a kind of bronzy look and actually it turned out to be gold. And he went on over the next few days and weeks to discover 3,500 pieces of Anglo-Saxon military items and jewelry and treasure. Uh, there was five kilograms of gold, loads of silver, uh, actual jewelry. There was a piece of jewelry which had a, an inscription from Numbers 1035 on the inside, which is where uh, something to do with Moses coming along and then uh, the enemy departing. So I think it was a, 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 mili- a kind of a, a thing that a military man may, maybe would have worn to give him strength and spiritual power against his enemies. Um, <coughs> The way that uh, the discovery of treasure works is that you can't just have the treasure or sell it. You have to share it with the, la- with the landowner uh, of the person on whose land it's been found. Uh, and so what happened was it went up for auction and it sold for £3.2 million. And it's known as the Staffordshire Hoard. It's the biggest amount of treasure that's ever been found uh, in the UK. Um, and so the landowner and this guy, Terry Herbert, actually went on to share the proceeds of that find. And you can go and see the Staffordshire Hoard in, I think it's a, a museum in Stoke-on-Trent. You can see that, I believe. In Matthew 13:44, Jesus tells a parable, and it's just one verse long. Uh, and it sums up the notion of this idea of treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has, and he buys that field. The cross of Jesus marks the spot where all the treasures of the kingdom of heaven may be found. When we look at the cross of Jesus, it points to spiritual treasure. It points to spiritual gold that is there and available to us. And it has a priceless worth for all of us. So when you see one of those old maps that's got an X marks the spot, points to the, point, uh, you know, points to the location of the treasure, be reminded of this little parable from Matthew's gospel. Be reminded of the kingdom of heaven is spiritual treasure for you to obtain, and it's made available to you through another kind of cross, the cross of Jesus Christ. Uh, number five, a cross shows the choice in a vote. You will know this if you've been to the polls and you've, uh, you've 
cast your vote. Um, we live off the Hagley Road, and um, our local polling station is Barford Primary School, just on the on a kind of Ickneal Port Road there, not far from the reservoir. And so uh, when the white cards come through the post, I don't know how it happens in your household, but there's a white card will come through the post and fall on the mat a few weeks beforehand saying, hey, there's a local election or a council election or even a national election. Would you come and vote? Um, and it specifies your name and, you know, Chloe's name and so on. And, and so we get these cards. And then on the appointed day, it's usually in the evening. We, don't, we never seem to get, to get to the polling station first thing in the morning. But we go along in the afternoon or evening after work. And we walk into the polling station. And it's all set up for you to be able to cast your vote. Uh, and, you know, very friendly people are sitting there with registers. And they say, what's your name? And, uh, you know, they, they sign you off. And then they give you a ballot paper. And the ballot paper's got the names of all of the different candidates on it, hasn't it? Uh, and you've got all the mainstream candidates. And then you've got all the wacky candidates as well. And some, I don't know if you've ever done this, but sometimes I've gone online on the day and looked at what they've got to say for themselves. And I've tried to pick somebody sensible or somebody who's got good, uh, somebody's got good, uh, got good policies and uh, who seems like a decent person with a little bit of track record. And can I say as an aside, it's ever so important for Christians to vote. Don't just leave it to, to the rest of society. You know, we are good people. We have God's wisdom on the inside of us. It needs to be deployed in the world. I encourage you to vote. When societies don't vote, bad people get into positions of power and then things go wrong. Please make sure you always use your vote at every opportunity that you can. But when you're inside the polling station and you've got your ballot paper there, you can open it up and you've got a list of uh, potential candidates with boxes. And the way that you show your vote is you get the pencil and you put a cross symbol. You put a cross symbol against the person that you want to win. And I want to say to you, the next time that you vote and you put your cross in there, I want you to say a little prayer to Jesus to say, thank you, Jesus, for, the cross, for your cross for me so that I can win. Because Jesus is somebody who, who came and went onto a cross in order that would, we would win in life. Um, there's a fantastic verse in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 4. It says this, for he, and that's God, chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. God chose us. Effectively, we are like kind of a, a spiritual ballot paper, and God puts his cross on us, and we then become his, and that, but then we win in life because of the fact that Jesus has kind of placed his cross over us. It, it's God's vote that we should win. In sending Jesus to the cross, God says, you have my vote, whoever you are. If you would receive him, you have my vote, and I want you to win. In fact, there's, there's a kind of doctrine in the Bible called the doctrine of election. And it's no accident that it has the same word as an election we would use in politics today, that you are elected by God. Did you know that? That you're elected by God to go to heaven. If you receive Jesus, at the end of your life, you will go to heaven. And that's because God voted for you in the cross of Jesus that he put on the ballot paper of your life. We have just had a funeral uh, on Friday, just gone two days ago, of a lady called Maya Devi. Uh, she's a very popular lady, very uh, lovable person, incredibly friendly, at the center of all sorts of uh, social circles and connections and full of life, and deeply missed and went too early. Um, very sad to see her go, but we laid her to rest on Friday. She was somebody who made a decision for Jesus in about 2006, 2008, when she saw three other members of her family get baptized. 
She just decided, yeah, I'm, I can see that this is true. I've got to that point in my life where I want to receive the vote of Jesus on the cross into my life in order that I can go to heaven as well. And so when we laid her to rest, it was bittersweet because, of course, we're going to miss her like anything. And yet we know she's gone to a better place because of the cross. Number six. A cross starts the process of getting a passport. I don't know if you've ever had to get a, ever had to get a passport. I'm sure most of you have got a passport, uh, or you've maybe renewed your passport recently. Um, but I, I went over to the passport office in uh, just the other side of Bearwood uh, to, in preparation for my message because I wanted a blank passport form. Uh, because I recalled from the last time that I redid one that the way that you fill in the passport form is you put X's against the things that apply to you. Uh, and I, I, I thought, I think that's right. And I went along and I got a passport form and I was told, you know, you know, I was told how to fill it in by the friendly counter staff. And I took my form away. And when I opened it up, sure enough, different sections in there, you indicate something that you need to, to say positively about yourself. You put an X in there. So you'd put an X against, this is a new passport, or you put an X against, this is going to be a renewal. And so the way that you fill in a passport is that you put cross symbols against the parts uh, that you need to, to complete. Um, I think filling in a passport can be quite a faff, can't it? Especially the first time, you have to supply a lot of evidence and documents and bits and pieces to go with it. But once you've got one, the renewal process uh, is a little bit more simple. A passport is a, uh, an evidence of your identity. And of course, we use a passport for international travel, don't we? Um, quite some years ago, we got given a gift by uh, a family who wanted to bless us as we came out of Bible college. And this lady said to us, uh, we'd like to give you some money to go specifically to take a holiday because we've seen that you've been working hard through Bible college and you won't be able to take a holiday for a while please receive this money. So we received this money from this lady. We got passports for the boys who were a bit younger at that time, and all of us had passports, and we went and decided that we were going to go and visit a friend of ours in the States, a, a friend of mine called Pete. I'd done a, <coughs> a placement with him, and I wanted to introduce him to the rest of the family. So we decided to fly out to St. Louis in Missouri for two weeks uh, on our annual summer holiday. So we got down to Heathrow, and you know how it goes. You have to put your baggage in, and then you present your passport at the gate, don't you? And they look through your passport and they kind of check your face looks roughly similar to what's inside your passport and um, you know they, they look at it and they, they barcode you in don't they and then then you go through into the waiting area you get on the plane the other end the reverse happens you kind of collect your luggage you're, you're, get, you're getting all your stuff and then they check your passport as you arrive and they do the check at the other end as well to make sure you're the, the person who you say you are and that your photo looks roughly like you uh, and so we're all going through passport control. This is about 2009. And um, uh, all, the, the whole family have gone through already. And it's just me to go through. And I present my uh, passport at the counter. And the guy looks me up and down. And he kind of scans it in. He says, that's fine. And I think I'm done by this point, And I relax a little bit. And I start walking into the concourse. At which point, uh, like I think a customs official or military police of some kind, approaches me. Uh, now, it's not just like an ordinary guy. This guy has a machine gun strapped around his neck. And it's hanging down here. It's one of those machine guns that's got kind of like, you know, like an Emmental cheese with sort of holes in, like in the metal, uh, to cool the bullets as they come out so that he can hold it and kill you better. Okay? Uh, so I'm kind of like, 
why are you approaching me? I've already been. And he comes and stands right in front of my face, and he says, are your intentions honorable here, sir? Like straight in my face like that. And I'm like, I'm so thrown by the question. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm coming to a church like that. They don't, they don't want you to joke in certain situations, and customs is not a place to have a joke. It really isn't. That's genuine advice, actually. Don't have a joke with customs people. Jokes work on two layers, don't they? They work on the official layer, and then the reason they're funny is because there's something underneath. You don't want to be presenting something underneath in a customs environment. Let me just say that. And jokes are one of the ways in which people get rumbled for stuff that they're bringing in that they shouldn't be. The point is, a passport is an evidence of a citizenship. And when you fill in your passport application form and you put the crosses on it, I want you to think, I am a citizen of heaven because of the cross of Jesus. Be reminded that that's true. Philippians 3.20 says, uh, says this great, uh, says this great uh, line, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus is our passport into heaven, and without it, we will not get in. We really won't. A cross starts the process of getting a passport, and it's the sign that we have a passport into heaven, and that we are citizens of heaven, that we belong there. We belong in another place, actually. We belong there even now. Even now, if you've received Jesus, then that's true for you. And lastly, number seven, a cross says, I love you. A cross says, I love you. Um, uh, Back in the mid-2000s, I was praying one morning, and I had this strange uh, thing. It wasn't an audible voice. It was an impression that I needed to write to my nan and tell her I loved her. Just tell her straight and tell her out and tell her explicitly. In my family, I think that we perhaps haven't had that most, we haven't had such a, func- you know, such a functional upbringing. We were a little bit odd like that. We find it hard to say those things from time to time. Uh, but one of the joys of becoming a Christ follower is that a lot of that stuff's been healed up and sorted out. And I know that it's important that you need to say that you love, the pe- you know, that you love people to them regularly and healthily and openly. And don't leave that to chance. And so I was praying one particular morning, uh, reading my Bible. I had this impression, write to your nan. Write to your nan and tell her that you love her. So this is my nan on my, on my mum's side. Um, my granddad on my mum's side, he had died when I was 14. He was a, a fireman and he smoked 40 a day and he'd had, he got lung cancer. And he died at the age of 64, when I, literally when I was 14. But my nan lived on a long time beyond him. And she was a great influence in my life. She doted on me. I may have preached and uh, mentioned her in the past. She was the kind of lady who would collect Beano comics for me uh, in a little pile so that when I went around there, I'd had Beano comics to read. And she would just give me bags of marbles and sweets. And uh, she was just indulged me in all the ways that parents find horrific, you know. Um, a great, great lady. And I had a very close connection with her. So I write this card to her and I basically set it out, and I just say, Nan, I just wanted to write to you and let you know that I love you to bits. And here are some things that you have done for me in my life that have just been fantastic. And I wrote a few things, and I said, I just love you to bits, and I just want you to know this for sure. You know, just telling you, because I think you, you need to know. I, if I haven't told you in, in, in a while, I'm sorry, but I'm telling you now. So I sent off this card. And then two weeks later, I got one of her 
I think it was one of her cards from her stock. You know how nans and granddads have a stock of helpful things, don't they? So she, she, I think she's gone in the drawer, and she's pulled out a card that's got like a robin on it, you know, that English bird with a red plumage at the front. And it, it's such a nan kind of card. It's blank inside, and she's written some stuff in there. And what she's done is she's done the slightly dysfunctional thing that my family struggle with, which she's told me all her news. But at the end, so she just tells me all her news. But at the end, she says, I love you too. And she put two little crosses on there. And that meant the world to me, because kind of dragging that out of her was quite hard. And I knew that I'd done it. And I knew that I'd made her see my sentiments to her, and that she'd had to say back to me that she loved me too. And she symbolized that with the classic two kisses, which is what cross, we use crosses at the ends of cards and letters to show our love for somebody, to show that we're meaning a kiss to them. We might do it on a WhatsApp message, we might do it on a text, we might do it in a card, we might do it in a letter. But a cross shows love. Uh, and about two weeks after this, this whole interchange, she suddenly passed away. She had a stroke, she had a, a, a big stroke, and she died on her doorstep. Dressed up to the nines, ready to go out to her club with her female friends. I think she went and played cards. And she was always a super smart lady, always well-dressed, always well-turned out. And I think as she was turning the key in the lock, she had a massive stroke, and she died on the doorstep. Uh, and she went. And, I, and looking back at that time, I know that the Spirit prompted me to send her that card. There's no question about it. The Spirit said, you need to say this thing now before it's too late. And can I just encourage you, church, if that ever happens to you, if you get an, a prompting to do something, please, please, please follow it up. You don't know how the Spirit is working through you. Uh, can I really encourage you, if you get that inkling or that sense or that feeling or that, oh, I should do that, don't disobey that because there are some important things that the Spirit may be trying to do through you, uh, for you and for others. The crosses at the end of a letter or at the end of a card are, are kiss marks to show love. John 16, 27, let's just read it from here. Uh, it says, uh, for the Father himself loves you. For the Father himself loves you. God is love, and the cross of Jesus is his kiss marks to us. In a kind of strange way, because, you know, when we go back through our series, and you perhaps watch some of those again, the earlier ones, we talked about how scandalous the cross was, and how degrading it was, and how awful it was, and those are all true, but I'm not saying those for now. I'm saying a cross means that God loves us. God absolutely adores us, and the cross symbol shows us that in just the same way as it would at the end of a love letter or a card from someone that, that loves us, to us. I'm going to ask the worship team just to come back, and they're going to start to play quietly. And uh, I'm just going to run through those again. And, and, you know, I hope that these are helpful for you. I hope that these glimpses of the cross that we see in our culture are things that really speak to you. And when you see them, be prompted to give thanks to Jesus, because each of these crosses represents some aspect of what he did for us. A cross shows that we get things wrong. A cross shows that a new direction is possible. A cross shows that first aid or help is at hand. A cross marks the spot where the treasure is buried. Um, incredible treasure is to be found um, in the cross. The cross shows that God votes for us. The cross also shows that we are in the process of becoming citizens of heaven. And the cross shows that we are completely and totally loved by God. We are totally loved by God. Do you know that church this morning? Do you know it in here? Not just in here. 
I want you to feel it in here. Just, just stay seated for a minute. We're going to stand in a minute and worship, but just for a minute, while you're sitting in your seats, would you just hold your hands out in front of you, just like this? Just indulge me a moment. I just want to, I, I want for you to receive something of the Father's love for you in your heart this morning. By the, by the agency of the Holy Spirit, who can be everywhere at once and with you right now, God absolutely loves you. He loves you, loves you, loves you. It's an absolutely incredible, powerful love. It will not stop at anything to get to you. And yet it's a freeing thing. It's not coercive in any way, shape, or form. It wants you to win. It wants you to do well. It wants you to be fruitful. It wants you to prosper. It wants you to prevail in your struggles. God's love is massive, and it's for you. God is for you and not against you. God is with you and not there ticking you off like a, a grumpy teacher. He is alongside you. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you, for each person in the room that's got their arms out, I pray that you would give them a fresh wave of your love for them. Heavenly Father, come and walk around the seats in this room by your Spirit and fill each person with love, that they would know that they are loved deep on the inside. Holy Spirit, would you do that right now? Fill us up, Holy Spirit. If you're watching online, I just pray the same over you, that if you could hold out your hands wherever you are, wherever you're watching from, just for a moment or two, just lean up your device on something so you don't have to hold it, and maybe kneel in front of your telly. If you're watching on, on a smart TV, just hold your hands out a moment and receive God's love into your life. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Holy Spirit. We ask you into our lives. Just while you have your hands out and just whether you've got your eyes closed, I'm just going to lead us in a prayer of reconnecting to Jesus because I know that we get visitors to BCC often. And maybe this is your first time in BCC and maybe you've, maybe you've been disconnected from church for ages and you've started to come back or maybe you've never ever asked Jesus into your heart maybe you've never heard about the cross in those ways before and you'd like that in your life you'd like to have Jesus as Lord of your life so just while you're sitting there with your eyes shut and your arms out I'm just going to pray this prayer and I, I want you to pray it along with me in your hearts now this is more for people who have not met with Jesus or asked Jesus into their heart but maybe if you're someone that knows Jesus already, there's no harm in praying this prayer. It's fine. Just, just pray it along in your heart too. Lord Jesus, I'm so sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me for being separated from you and from other people. I receive you into my life as Lord. Please lead me from now on. I surrender to you. I believe that you died on the cross to take away my sins and my wrongdoings that you rose again on the third day and that you're alive and with me now by your spirit. I accept you, Jesus, into my life. Please help me to live for you. Thank you for your gift of eternal life that starts now and goes on forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I just want you to be very brave and I just want you to lift your hand a little bit because we've got something that we could like to pass to you just let me know if you prayed that prayer 
Anyone at all? Okay, that's fantastic. There's a couple of people who've put their hands up. That's awesome. We're going to give you a gift in just a moment. I'll come and bring that to you. There's a person at the back there. And uh, we're going to sing now. Would you stand with me? And uh, we're going to sing. And uh, we're going to respond one more time just at the end as well. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, team.